This is Flyperbole with Steve Jacot and Craig Forsyth. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Flyperbole under quarantine. I am Steve Jacot. This is Craig Forsyth, and we are here to talk about a single Flyers-related topic. Folks, hope you're hanging in there under quarantine. I know it's the... It's tough. We're a couple months in at this point. Some people haven't seen the light of day in a while. It's hot, though. Who really needs the light of day? It's overrated. It is the nicest day of the year. It is, it's 6 9, the nicest day of the year. Nice. Very nice. It's also uh, the 10 year anniversary of one of our favorite moments ever, Steve. All on 6 9. So there you go. Oh, boy. The good old, yeah, the good old late and what happened there play. So we don't need to talk about it. You guys know what I'm talking about. We can move on. Nobody needs that. <laughs> Nobody. Woof. Yep. Yep. All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, f- folks, as you know, the previous Flyperbole, we, we did get serious for at least half the episode and uh, talked about a uh, serious topic. We talked about the, the protests that have been going on in the wake of the, the death of George Floyd and the... The, the quest for social justice and reform of the police and it's still going on. People are still protesting, fighting the good fight. It's a great thing. And we talked a lot about the fact that hockey is not exactly the most diverse sport in the world. And that, you know, that's something that bothers us. That's something that we don't particularly like about the sport that we love. And it's something that, the sport can certainly do a lot better in that regard. And we kind of, we wanted to get together today for fly purple under quarantine and celebrate what diversity we have seen in flyers history. Talk about some of those great black hockey players that have uh, worn the orange and black over the years and, and celebrate that. Yeah. So, uh, and like you said, hockey isn't maybe the most inclusive sport yet. So there have only been, um, 10 black players to play for the Flyers in our franchise history. And what I thought maybe I, we could just... That's stunning that it's that low. It is. That, it says a lot. I figured it was going to be low, but I didn't think it would be. Like, they just broke double digits uh, this year with Chris Stewart. So I didn't think it was going to be that that low of a number. But um, I thought, you know, we could just go through and talk about uh, each player a little bit and try and remember some of the things that uh, they accomplished while they were here. Some of them didn't really have uh, long tenures with the team. And uh, a couple of players were, one of them was before my time. And uh, a couple of them were just, uh, I mean, like Sandy McCarthy was one. And I remember him, but I don't remember too much about him. I remember a couple games with him because, uh, you know, uh, he, he was doing the Lord's work going after Ty Domi. So I remember that. And uh, I do not, I thought we could open with um, <laughs> the first Black Flyers, uh, Flyer player in history. And that would be uh, Claude Villegrain who played two games for the team back in 93-94. His only two games with the Flyers, and they were the first two games by a black player with the Flyers. Uh, Zero points, minus one, uh, and he ended up playing 89 games in the NHL, 81 of which were for the Devils. Uh, He also played six games with the Canucks. He did 
I, I don't think he played more than 10 games in a season uh, once. The one season he did, he played 71 games for the Devils in 91-92 and had 46 points. He had 19 goals and 27 assists. Um, and he joined the Flyers as a free agent in 1993, was taken in taken 107th overall in 1982, uh, and he was born in Haiti. So, again, Claude Villegrain, I don't know much about him. I know, I just know that he was the first uh, Black Flyer and wasn't here for too long, obviously, but... Um, yeah, the I mean, fact that it I... took until the 90s for the Flyers to have a black player is insane. Yeah, it is kind of surprising. I mean, I thought there would have been, I thought there would have been a few in the 80s, but uh, I guess maybe, I, yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe they're, they're, the game wasn't as inclusive in the 80s, but um, I mean, every, but there's been a lot over the last few years, but I, I put this outline together. I didn't do it in any order. So the next one, I, the next guy I wanted to talk about. Uh, was uh, Donald Brashear, who was uh, he was with the Flyers for a pretty long time, 270 games from 2001-02 to 2005-06, uh, uh, 66 points, 22 of which were goals, and 648 penalty minutes, uh, which uh, was is the 22nd most uh, penalty minutes in Flyers history. That's really impressive. 648 penalty minutes in 270 games. It just seems unfathomable. Yeah. Like, it is... That's an absurd amount. I I remember Brashear pretty well because he was on some some really good Flyers teams. Yeah, like some that. pretty noble teams. Yeah, and he was. I mean, he was like the main guy in the the brawl against the Senators. Like whenever I watched the brawl, I he was involved in a couple of scraps with that, and pretty much oh, yeah. was started the whole thing. And then my favorite, like one of my memories of him that I don't think uh, people, you know, a random memory because I'm I'm Craig. Uh, 2001, the Flyers played in DC. The day after Christmas at the MCI Center, and uh, for Christmas, my dad got me and my like got tickets for us, and we went. And it was Brashear's like second or third game with the, uh, game with the Flyers, and I just remember him knocking out Stephen Pete and him just dropping to the ice, and just the MCI Center going pretty quiet afterwards. But that was like that was my first the first time I watched brought down Brashear with Tim Rock and so many, and then stirring shit the whole game. So. Uh, that was a pretty distinct memory. Like I said, the the, the brawl against uh, the Senators he was involved in. I was looking at the stuff Brashear about... was a bruiser. He was a brawler. Oh, yeah. He was a guy who could beat the shit out of people. Like, y- you yeah. think about, like, muscle on the Flyers. Like, Donald Brashear is one of the guys you think of. And there's a reason you still see his jersey around the stadium. I mean, Brashear hasn't been a Flyer for a long time. But you still see Brashear jerseys pop up oh, here and yeah. there. And I, I love it. Yeah, he was, no, yeah, he was the man. Uh, what was I gonna say? His my his fighting style was just, I loved it. He used to just get in close to guys and just give them rapid punches, and nobody was strong enough to kind of break him like away from just getting those quick punches in. He would always get the inside edge and just will away on him. But uh, that Braden brawl, Shen though, tried that too, and it did not work as well. Oh no, no, it did not work out nearly as well. Uh, I was gonna say the. So looking up the uh, the Ottawa game, he had 34 penalty minutes in that game. That is not the most amount of penalty minutes he had in a game as a Flyer. Uh, he actually his career high with the Flyers was 35, or his Flyers high was 35. It came in a 6-1 loss to the Rangers on March 6, 2006. And see, I put the uh, YouTube clip in here if you wanted to watch it. It was pretty much just late in the game with the Flyers about to be on the. Losing end of a blowout, uh, he just chased down Darius Kasparaitis and started pounding on him. So again, Kasparaitis, you know, oh, he I did hated that guy. Yeah, but he was doing the Lord's work. Uh, he, he knew we all wanted to see that, and he went out there and he uh, gave the fans a shell. So uh, anytime, you know, 
Anytime we got to beat the show, Kadarius Casper, is you just uh, you just kind of kind of do it. Uh, and that also that also brings me up to another interesting point: that uh, 35 penalty minutes in a single game, which is Brashear's uh, high with the Flyers, is the 13th most in Flyers history. Dale Kushner had 50 fucking penalty minutes in a game against the Caps back in '91, uh, and I don't even like I. I, I saw that pass there. I got to do a little bit more research on that and look that up. But uh, that would be one of six times a player racked up 50 penalty minutes in a single game since uh, 79-80. So that's I, – I can't imagine what he did in that game. I'm going to look it up. It's going to be something probably insane. But, um, yeah, so Brashear – I mean, Brashear is definitely one of my favorites uh, growing up too because he was – he was one of the big bruisers on um, the 0304 team. And then he also just uh, – I mean, I remember when he was with the Caps, he knocked out Brendan Shanahan after he was talking shit, after Brashear fought somebody else. And I thought that was hilarious just because Brendan Shanahan, you could tell like he thought Brashear wasn't going to do anything, and he just kind of clocked him. So um, that and um, the fucking Marty McSorley incident, uh, which wasn't when he wasn't with the Flyers. But uh, like looking back at that uh, is just insane. That McSorley uh did that in the first place and then also it was just an incident i think i think it's the only time an incident on a playing field has resulted in a, a court case i don't know if that's accurate but i remember it came up with they're talking about uh miles garrett and uh the fucking um mason rudolph you remember when we were, we saw that while we were recording oh yeah that was good yeah. that is right we were recording a fly purpley yep. when yeah when miles got it <laughs> garrett, garrett uh, yeah. attacked mason rudolph with a helmet yeah. So and people were like, "Could that? Is that like? Isn't that like breaking the law?" And then people were like, "No, no, you can't. You know, whatever happens on the field stays on the field." And then I remember people just pointing to this, and I didn't know if there was another. I think this may be the only time it's ever gone to a to court, but certainly uh, the most notable. Yeah. Uh, also, what other things? So Don Brashear, also American. He was born in uh, Bedford, Indiana, before he moved out to Quebec at a young age, and uh, he came to the Flyers. Uh, part of the uh, the trade the Lindros trade trade so uh, trade the Philly in December of 2001 uh, with a 2002 sixth round pick for Jan Halavik and a 2002 third Halavik came to the Flyers in the uh, Lindros to New York deal so and for sure yeah again for sure was <laughs> I mean I, I like for sure a lot and he played his role I don't know how effective he would have been in today's game but back then uh, you definitely needed players like that and he was a uh, he was a pretty good one for the Flyers so. And like you said, their 87 jerseys are all over the place still at the Wells Fargo Center. People love them. It might be the worst jersey in franchise history, that, like, orange, like, that burnt orange, like, embossed logo. Oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. you still see them, and people wear them proudly. Like, the, those people know what they're wearing, and they're all about it. They're, <laughs> it's just, I, I love a good random jersey, and that's one of the best ones out there. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. What will not be a random jersey for years to come is the next guy we're going to talk about, and that's uh, Wayne Simmons. The Wayne train, the pain train. We all love Wayne. Uh, I'd say he's the most notable black flyer in history. He oh, he is just, hands down the best, yeah. Y- yeah, I, but he's also just one of, like, he's a fan favorite for a reason. Everybody loves Wayne Simmons. There's nobody yeah. who will, will speak uh, poorly of Wayne Simmons, like he's the man. He's just the man. He's, yeah, there's he's really as close to Flyers Doc as you can get, right? Uh, Brian Dawkins from the Eagles. I for think so. Who don't yeah. really know Doc, but 
it, like I imagine <laughs> most of the people know, listening yeah. to this know what I I mean when I say Dawkins. <laughs> well, I, yeah, Ryan Dawkins on the Philadelphia Eagles is probably the most revered Eagle of all time, and I don't know if Wayne Simmons. I don't think he's the most revered Flyer of all time, but he nah. is. He's beloved by this fan base. Yeah, he people he's just they would fight somebody for Wayne Simmons. I think. I no, yeah, that's a that's a fair assessment. If he's not already out there, you know, fighting his own battles, I was gonna say that's part of the reason why I think everybody loved him too. Was he was just a seemed to be a genuinely good guy uh, with all the stuff with the Snyder uh, Hockey Youth Foundation and uh, just uh, pretty much leader in the locker childhood. room. I mean. Yeah, quite, and he's a quiet leader, too. I think that'll be the only yeah. difference with, between him and Doc, but everything else, I mean, yeah, lead by I mean, example, and he, one of my favorite, on the field. One of my favorite Wayne Simmons moments was his last game with the Flyers when they showed the... Uh, oh, yeah. Anybody watched the, the mic'd up special on that, where they showed the behind the scenes, like, from the locker room after the game, and, you know, they were going to give the, the, the... What was the player of the game... Award. was it a, that like golden helmet last year yeah it was the it was like the weird helmet yeah and i think they did yeah. that this year too i think david kasha had that i'm trying to remember like his awkward speech but yeah that i think that it was, was gonna go year. to jeru and that was gonna go to voracek i'm like no 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 this has to go to wayne simmons and they just all and nobody then, wanted to see him go and th- there's a reason yeah no yeah i i'm trying to think of my uh some of my favorites were, well, I mean, when he beat the shit out of Tony D'Angelo, that's still my favorite, uh, you know, uh, just, you know, setting the tone on Tony D'Angelo's face. And then also uh, when he got a hat trick against the Rangers in the postseason. Uh, and then also one of my favorites, and I forget the exact date of the game. It was, uh, I was at the game where Drew had five assists against the Sabres back in 2012. And that, in that game during the warmups, Simmons took a slap shot. He took a puck to the face. I don't think, it may have been a slap shot. I don't know. But... Took it to the face. I just remember watching pregame skate, and he ran to like got off the ice quickly and started going back to the locker room. And then they he came out with like a like a shield on, and uh, like a full, yeah, you know what I'm saying, like a full shield on. And he got two goals in the first period, and it was just like the most it was the most Wayne Simmons thing ever. That stuff, and then also when he tried to fight Ben Lovejoy with a broken jaw, like Simmons had a broken jaw, and Lovejoy challenged him to a fight, and he still actually like fought him which is just insane to me like going into a fight with a broken jaw yeah i mean that kind of that was uh that was wayne simmons like that is the most wayne simmons thing i think i've ever heard but uh simmons also the past decade is not the most celebrated team it is not it's not even close to the most successful team but wayne simmons is the most beloved player from these teams even though claude giroux has been killing it every year it's still wayne simmons just because he is this yeah this fearless, you know, he's got all the heart in the world, that grit, you know, all all those buzzwords, the Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs> the guy was made to be a Philadelphia Flyer. When you think about a, a prototypical Flyer, it's Wayne Simmons. I, yeah, I mean, to really break it down, people love goals and people like fights. And Simmons scored a lot of goals and Simmons fucked up a lot of people in fights. So it's really hard to not, yeah. He was... Uh, I mean, he was, and speaking of his leadership uh, on and off the ice, off the ice, he won the 2018-19 Mark Messier Award, which goes to uh, recognizing an individual as his peer leader within their sport and as a contributing member of society. That's the definition of the award. And it's pretty much to highlight people doing good work in the community, and that was, that's been Simmons, and he finally got recognized for that. And also, uh, recently, Simmons and uh, Chris Stewart, who we're going to talk about in a little bit here, too, uh, 
announced they are part of the Hockey Diversity Alliance, which we will uh, we'll discuss more of that on Thursday. But uh, pretty much just a bunch of former and current players formed an alliance to kind of help end the racism aspect of uh, playing hockey, both in the lower levels and the NHL, I believe. Uh, again, we'll discuss that more at length on the Fly Purple, but... Yeah, it's a, it's a good step, and it's it's really great to see them establish this. Uh, just for the record, they have appointed Akeem Alou and Evander Kane as their co-heads, yeah. and their executive committee includes Trevor Daly, Matt Dumba, uh, Wayne Simmons, Chris Stewart, and Joel Ward. Joel Ward. Oh, yeah, that's right, Joel Ward. Okay, I was trying to think of some of the guys. I forgot him and Trevor Daly were involved. So, And, like, when you think... Yeah, and, again, I think it's good that they've put this together because you think of what happened with Akeem Alou... Um, you think what happened with Trevor Daly and John Van Buesbrook way back in the day. And then we talked about it last week, and I'll bring it up again today because uh, I was looking at it. Uh, when Wayne Simmons had the fucking banana thrown at him at the preseason game. So I I don't know how to phrase this properly. That was one of my f- favorite moments with Simmons early on because he literally had, like, imagine seeing that on the ice. Like, he had to elude that banana in the middle of a shootout attempt. So just to even think what was going through his mind right then and there. And then he also scored on the fucking shootout attempt. Like, he literally had racism thrown in his face in the middle of a play, and he just eluded it and scored in a preseason game. I don't know. That just seems like a big... That just is, like, an epitome of, like, Simmons. He's just pretty much his whole career. And then looking back at it, he... Like, looking at the it's, quotes, he didn't want I mean, to assume he's a courageous a guy. Gesture. He's fearless. Like, he just... He didn't take shit. And, you know, that's just the kind of guy Wayne Simmons is. Like, he, yeah. and he and took he the high road. up when he has to, and I, I just... And the, the fact, again, it, it can't go without saying again and again and again just how despicable that was. How, okay. what a disgusting, uh, disgusting human behavior that is. For, yeah. I just, well, what's going through your head? What? Why do you have to be like that? Why do you have to treat people like that? We can't abide this shit like if you see somebody do something that blatantly racist i don't advocate you know fan on fan violence often but that (laughs) seems like a a time where i'd advocate it because like if somebody did that in my vicinity i would throw an elbow right in his face like that's that's just so incredibly fucked up it's i mean it is yeah it's pretty fucking and of course so like uh, like I'll say, Simmons uh, like downplayed it. He was just like, I'm gonna assume it wasn't racist, and if it was, it's terrible. But he just didn't want to chalk it up to being racist. And also, the guy said something to the effect of like, it didn't go through his mind that he was throwing out a banana with the only like black player in the preseason game. And it's like, all right, well, that's that's really not believable at all. But sure, buddy. Uh, but where do you even buy bananas in a goddamn stadium? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a premeditated thing. Like you're bringing that, you're bringing that into the stadium. So I don't, you know, that's pretty much bullshit. But back to uh, Simmons being awesome on the ice. Uh, he so his hat tricks. He had, like I said, he had the uh, postseason one against the Rangers. Then he also had one in 2013 against the Hurricanes. And then uh, I forgot the one. He had the se- hat trick in the season opener against the uh, the Sharks. Uh, three goal. It was a five to three win out in San Jose. We all stayed up late because again. It was a season opener since 2015, so the league was like, fuck them. And uh, we had to stay up until 1 a.m. to watch. But it was worth it because it ended up being a win. Uh, let's see what else here. When uh, was the not... last time the Flyers had a normal season opener? I think so. I think it was 2015 16. 
if I remember, I'm trying to remember who they opened the season against then. Yeah, because they opened the season in Tampa Bay and they played in the first ever. That that game was nuts because it was a they were the first team that ever playing a three on three overtime, and I think they missed two penalty shots in that game. And that was the last time they played. And then after that, 2016-17, they're out in L.A., 2017-18, Sharks. 2018-19 was Vegas. And then 2019-20 was a different fucking continent. So, uh, I'm exci- again, like I said, I'm excited to see if they're going to put the start of next season. You know what? With the way things are going with 2020, if you told me the Flyers' 2020-21 season started, like, February 2nd on the moon... Yeah, I'm in. I, I'll, I'll believe that right now at this point in time. There's nothing that will tell me that that's not going to happen. Everything else seems so insane right now. That seems like something that would happen. So I'm ready for that. I'll see if I can get tickets. See, Hopefully the gravity thing will you know, not be a huge factor. But um, let's see what I, 19 most 19th most penalty minutes in Flyers history with Summiter in 84. Uh, again, I talked about him, uh, uh, you know, just... Uh, Toss around Tony D'Angelo, uh, punch him in the face a couple times because uh, that's what everybody wants to see. Also, a couple of my other favorite fights for his second game as a flyer when he dropped David Clarkson. That was pretty nice. I remember that one. Uh, oh, yeah. Sticks out my mind pretty nice. And then also 2011 12. There was a guy against a guy named Joey Crab, and it wasn't a great fight. It was just he beat the, like, he got off like 15 punches in a row, and the rest were like, let's see how many you can get. Let's, let's just keep, let him keep going. Like, Joey Crab didn't stand a chance. And the refs were just like, no, he's got to he's got to learn. You don't fight Wayne Simmons, and then you just like <laughs> it's like the worst, it's the most lopsided fight ever. But uh, and that oh yeah, of and course that, you don't want to fight Wayne Simmons. I was gonna say unquote where like that's that really sums yeah. up Wayne Simmons. Uh, who was he talking to when he said that? Well, that was a uh, the great thing about that was I think it was the twenty sixteen Winter Classic game. So it was the Bruins against the Canadians. So he was talking to I forget who he was talking to on the Canadians bench. But he was talking about some Bruin he didn't want to fight. And then he was like, yeah, he's like Wayne Simmons tough. <laughs> it was just like a nice, <laughs> it was just nice to hear Wayne Simmons get that like compliment in this situation. So, uh, But yeah, Wayne Simmons is the man. Uh, and I... You, you haven't listed I, that he was an alternate captain on the Flyers a bunch. for a while. I, yeah. I just wanted to say, if it, if it wasn't for Claude Giroux... I sincerely think Wayne Simmons would have been the captain of the Philadelphia Flyers. I... I agree with that, and I also think, uh, going back to what you said before, I think he may have, like, he might end up being the most likable flyer from that era. And it's unfortunate he was here during a pretty shitty era. I mean, the team really didn't have any threatening squads the entire time he was here. The deepest they run they had was his first year here. But he was, I mean, he was a fucking, uh, two 30-goal seasons, 32 in 2015-16, 31-16-17. Three more seasons where he had 28 goals or more. So he almost had five 30-goal seasons with the Flyers. He had 29 in 2013-14, 28 in 2011-12, and then 28 in 2014-15. And 2014-15, I remember that being especially infuriating because I think he got his 28th, and there were like eight games left in the season, and then he, he got injured and couldn't even, he didn't even get a chance to get 30. And that would have been his first with the Flyers. So, uh, And he's one of the best guys at screening the goalie I've ever seen. Like Between oh, yeah. him and John, I think it's between him and John LeClaire for the best I've ever seen at screening goalies. Yeah, he was definitely, there was a point in time he was the best nut front uh, presence on the power play. Just uh, it was a, him or a fantastic power play player here. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was incredible. So, um, another reason. We miss you, Wayne Train. We miss you. Yeah. Yeah, have fun in, uh, 
Buffalo man. Sorry about that. Uh, but anyway, there's, uh, there's another another Blackfire that recently played with the team was uh, Justin Bailey, who, unfortunately for him, his biggest uh, the thing I'm gonna remember most about him was he consistently went up and down between the Flyers and Lehigh Valley last year, uh, and it was just. It was almost a daily thing at one point in time, and it became a joke. I remember it becoming a joke on the BSH Slack, where we were like, did Bailey, is Bailey down with the Phantoms again? And then, like, an update would come, like, three hours later, he was down with the Phantoms again. He just kept going up and, back up and down. Uh, he came over from the Should have just gotten an apartment right in the middle. <laughs> yeah, seriously. They, they would have saved, uh, saved a little bit of time. But uh, traded from the Sabres to the Flyers for Taylor Lear, Taylor Lear back in January of uh, 2019. Ended up getting one assist on 11 games with the Flyers last season. Um, and I remember, like, looking at... I mean, he didn't produce any points, obviously, but I really didn't mind him as a fourth liner. I don't think I would have taken him over the fourth line this year. Like, I like Pitlick. Guys like Pitlick and Raffle and uh, and uh, Grant now, too. Uh, I think... And NAK even being on the fourth line. I think I would have preferred those guys over Bailey. But uh, I think I like Bailey more than Lear. And also, again, speaking of everything going on right now one of the more memorable things about bailey was uh last year um a kid named roshan brown hall in buffalo a youth hockey player uh the black youth hockey player uh there came a video came out of uh somebody filmed like the last couple minutes of a, a game he was in and he was the only black player on the ice and the camera the video was able to capture a bunch of his opponents and uh not any coaches but the opponent is pretty much making all these virtual taunts and the refs and the coach is not doing anything came a huge sad story and bailey actually reached out to the kid and started talking to him and explained to him like you know it's not always going to be like this it's going to get better so that is a pretty nice thing i i remember that about justin bailey that was a pretty nice thing he did and it was a very cool thing yeah on Bailey's and, part. Uh, he, uh, but uh, not, uh, not, not too much to remember on the way of the ice. Uh, but yeah. but <laughs> that's, uh, that, that's a very cool thing he did. And, yeah, you know, you, you talk about being better. And this is a prime example, right? Where yep. the coaches in this case really need to be the ones to, to get their players in line and show them yeah. the right way. And that's just not acceptable at any level. You can't taunt somebody over their race, especially... Again, in hockey, where it's a sport where there just are so few people that aren't white at the end of the yeah. day, and we, it's just so screwed up. And you need to, if you're a coach, if you're the parents of those kids, you need to make sure they know better and don't do that shit. It's so screwed yeah. up, and, and it's, good on Bailey for reaching out and and making that kid feel better. Yeah, it's absolutely that's an issue at like the high school level with any sport. And I, it's also I, an issue with with homophobia, where I mean, it's no, yeah. the go to insult insult all the time. And I mean, just sports in general, people are really bad in in both those respects as far as insults go. You know, yeah. dishing out homophobic and even. racist remarks, and it, it's 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 shitty. It's twenty twenty, and we're still talking about this, but that's the world we're in. But again, we're we're trying to be better. And if you're listening to this, if you hear somebody, you need to speak up and tell somebody that is not the way. And they're funny insults, guys. There's plenty of ways to call somebody shitty without using race, racism or using extremely offensive terms. Yeah, like there's a, there's a middle ground there. There's somebody you know, you know, dickhead. I, I like dickhead. Dickhead's a pretty good one to go to. Dickhead's a good one. You suck. Oh. Always good. Yeah, that one. Yeah, there. I mean, there's a whole. We'll get that. That might be another fuck episode. It's just uh, 
you know, curse words to yell at people at any time that, you know, won't uh, offend everybody. So, but that is... Just call somebody a fuckface, kids. I'm kidding. kidding. I don't want the kids to call people. Just get kids, look. Look out to us. Shit for (laughs) brains. (laughs) Uh, So... We're we're uh, making millions talking about the sport we love. Yeah, just making nine figures over here just talking about a little stick and puck. So I'm excited about that. Uh, Spilling coffee all over ourselves. (laughs) Is that what you just did? No, that's what Mikey missed it earlier. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, Mikey. Yeah, Mikey Miz is having a good. He's having a good couple weeks here. He's really, uh, to, as the lay people would say, he's been killing it. So uh, good for him. Uh, hopefully, he's been able to calm down some of that Sicilian blood or whatever the fuck he was talking about yesterday. So, did you see that, Stephen? I missed that part. Oh, you should. You should take a little look. See, he's you know he's really with it. He's with the times, and I'm happy that he is as visible at that radio station. As some other people. So moving on, let's talk about one of our favorites to always riff on uh, here. Just put cameras on ourselves it. while we're on the show. <laughs> uh, you gonna toss that headset or what's the deal? We gotta get those. Ah! Uh, we gotta get those clicks. There we go. All right. Uh, Tyrell Goldborn, who uh, we're not gonna pretend like uh, we were ever a big fan of him when he was here. He was no. Maybe, maybe the in terms of asset management when it comes to a draft pick, that might be the one of the worst. Picks in Flyers history. A third round pick on a guy that wasn't on Central Scouting Services rankings is impressive. It's honestly impressive. Like, that's a new level of what the hell are we talking about here. And then also, like, when where Holmgren, did you even find this player? Yeah, like, why? What, like, why? You couldn't have waited like a couple more rounds, too. And, like, he, yeah. And um, it didn't help that Paul Holmgren called, came out and pretty much said he was Ronaldo 2.0. That was a pretty. I think that and the fact he went in the third round is why there is so much goal-born, like, like hype or, like, I guess, made him such, like, a controversial pick because he, if he had just been taken in, like, the sixth or seventh round and Holmgren didn't come out and say he was Zach Ronaldo 2.0, I think he would have, like, been a lot less in the spotlight. But uh, it is what it is, and he ended up playing 11 games for the Flyers, uh, zero points, two penalty minutes, uh, and... The 11 games took place from 2017-18 to 2018-19. He was taken 72nd overall in the third round of 2013. I'm just going to rattle off some names that came in the third round after uh, Tyrell Goldborn. So 74th, John Hayden, who has 26 points in 156 NHL games. 75th, three picks after Goldborn. Pavel Buchnevich, uh, 147 points in 247 games. 77th, Jake Gensel, 200 points. In 243 games. The thing that makes that worse, too, is I think the Flyers originally had that cancel pick. Like, they had the pick and then ended up trading it to the Coyotes, and then the Coyotes ended up trading it to the Penguins. So that was just a lot of fun. Um, T.S. Yanmark, uh, taken by the Red Wings, 79th overall, has 109 points in 297 games. Anthony Duclair, who's had a pretty damn good season, 162 points in 353 games. Uh, Curtis Gabriel, 81st overall. He's not really that great, but, you know, people know who he is. 86, Sven Androgetto, 83 points in 216 games, even though he's out of the league now. And then 89th, Oliver Bjorkstrand, 133 points in 246 games. So this is why you don't really go off the board early to take a guy who is just going to be a fourth-line energy guy. Because you could have had, again, it's like hindsight's easy to do. It's 2020, you know, looking back. But again, like, like why? Like why... Why? Why him? Why Derek Mathers? Why guys like this when you can just go and pick them up in free agency for literally nothing? You can find... I'll never get that. But I will say Goldborn, I was, I did have him be um, 
at the game where Goborn had his best moment as a flyer. And I, I remember me and my buddy got tickets about like 10 hours off the ice in the corner to the right of uh, the Blues net when this happened. And Petrangelo had the puck in the corner, was turning around, and Goborn just knocked him on his ass. Scott Lawton picked it up and started scoring play. And uh, that was his, that was Goldborn's shining moment as a flyer. I mean, the rest of it was pretty uh, unremarkable, but the Flyers did win that game 4-1 to one in January of 2018. And uh, that, is, uh, that is Tyrell Goldborn. Steven, do you have any uh, Tyrell Goldborn members you want to get out there? It was a good hit. Rocket, there you go. It was a pretty good hit. It was a good hit. Uh, that was the only thing he did as a, uh, as a flyer, though. So uh, moving on, uh, Ray Emery. Who I he is one of the uh, um, one of the bigger names. I'd call him one of the ultimate what ifs in Flyers history. Yeah, uh, for a couple reasons. Yeah, and uh, two different stints with the team. Uh, Sixteen, eleven. Oh, sorry, not, not to oh, go ahead. You, but no, you were go, go saying ahead. before he was one of the biggest names. And when I when we were talking about doing this episode, he was definitely one of the first guys I thought of. Yeah, no, I, he was because I think he I, I think after Simmons he. It's him or Belmore might be the longest tenured like Black Fire, but uh, he, I mean, he was here for a pretty good run in 20, uh, 2009-10. 16-11-1 uh, with a 9.05 save percentage, 2.64 GAA, and three shutouts during the regular season. He ended up not playing uh, in the postseason. I don't, I don't think he played. In the, yeah, he didn't play in the postseason. He missed most of the season because he was diagnosed with a vascular necrosis, which is the death of bone tissue due to a lack of blood supply. Got that in his hip. Is a whole thing of not even whether or not he could play again, but if like his walking was going to be hindered for the rest of his life, and the fact he came back and actually played again is remarkable. And he ended up uh, bouncing around. I think he went to the Ducks, I forget, and then the Hawks, and then I think he came back to the Flyers. Uh, signed as a free agent again. Went 19-23 and nine with an 8.99 save percentage, 3.01 GAA, and two shutouts between 2013-14 and 2014. 15 uh again though some of his best memories here were he had the um shutout in his debut with the flyers against the hurricanes in 2009 10 uh and then uh well i mean beating shadow brain holby i think that's going to be the thing that everybody remembers emory for uh here was just him uh laying the law down on on holby which uh you know Maybe not a fair fight. <laughs> not exactly. Uh, Holtby didn't exactly, exactly want to participate in that fight. No, not at all. But it was... It's uh, one of those things that's like... You don't want to see that in the game, but it's also like... I don't know, kind of funny? Because like, Holtby's just being like dragged and Emery's like, no, no, no. <laughs> well, I will say, it was very... If it was... Uh, that was a game the Flyers were losing 7-1. to So like at the time, I was kind of like... All right, I I can I understand this. I feel like I, I get the I get the anger here. I'm pretty I'm pretty fucking pissed right now too. And uh, but he, what if because like if he didn't have those hip problems, I really wonder how he would have fared. I mean, if he how well he would have done in the 2010 postseason. And then also, uh, he just wasn't himself his second time here, and he was thrown into the first three games of that Rangers series. And I just remember that it was a talking point that his just his side his coverage side to side was just horrendous which made sense because he was not able to swivel as well because of his hips and the rangers just exploited that on cross ice passing and you just you wonder if he was a little bit healthier then or if he was healthier in 2010 if you know the flyers 
postseason runs look a little bit better, but it is a big what if. And of course, for Emery, like we talked about with Holpe, he was not, he didn't back down from it. He was a tough fucking dude. Um, you know, and I know he had his off ice issues and everything. And that's, yeah, that's a the whole, that's a whole thing as well. But he, uh, I will say when he was with on the, when he was on the Flyers, he did make it a point to have uh, Joe Frazier on his helmet. He also had Rocky Balboa and uh, Bernard Hopkins, but Joe Frazier, and he actually ended up meeting Joe Frazier. I remember that being a whole thing that must have been a, a pretty nice experience for him but uh yeah ray emery the only uh black flyers goalie in history so uh and going on to somebody else uh, i believe he's the only french player in flyers history according to hockey reference uh pierre edward belmar so uh signed as a free agent out of uh, skeleftia aik and the shl back in 2014 Ended up getting 34 points, 17 of which were goals in 237 games for the Flyers from 2014-15 to 2016-17. And I'm going to be honest with you. So the three main things I think of when I think of uh, Belmar are, unfortunately for him, he's always going to be linked to Chris Vandevelde for me because they were the inseparable pair that for some reason Dave Haxall thought could be like... Shut down pair. Yeah, like the greatest. Yeah, they he thought they were like our Marchand and um, and Bergeron, and I'll tell you what, they 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 really were not. But and I think Belmore is well, fine. I think he was even kind of hoping that there would be like Ian Laperriere because when Laperriere was yeah, here, yeah. he's just pretty much a fourth liner, but mm-hmm. he's a fourth liner that you would bring in to to play defensive hockey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. And um, he so Vanavelia. Uh, Angle, unfortunately for him. The other bad angle would be the um his hit on Dmitry Orlov in Game Three of 2016. I don't think he intentionally boarded him, but it looked pretty bad. Started the whole bracelet incident, and then the Flyers ended up losing that game by a pretty wide margin, and it was a whole ugly thing. But uh, one positive, him fucking up Bobby Farnham. So uh, again, that's one of my favorite stories. I love to tell it because uh, Bobby Farnham was called up to the Did NHL. Farnham. Farnham. I, I'll call him Farnham. It sounded yeah. like you said Fartham, yeah. Yeah, so Fartham was called up for this one game. Uh, he was brought up from the HL to fight. Drags Belmar out of, like, a dog pile. Belmar was on his knees because he was scrapping with some, like, hugging somebody else, trying to, like, just break everything up. And Farnham pulls him out from the pile and tries to fight Belmar, and Belmar one-punches him. And then that, that was it. That was Barbie Farnham's, like, Biggest reference in the NHL was getting one punched by a guy who I think fought twice in his entire career before he came to the NHL. So, Bobby Fartham, if you're listening, yeah, we're gonna call you Fartham from now on. So, because uh, you stink pretty bad. So that's you see. Oh, see what I'm he did also right. fight. <laughs> he did also fight uh, Carcillo that year. It wasn't a big fight, but um, I guess it is worth noting because he went. Because I remember that being the big deal with the Fartham fight too was. I think that was his first fight as a flyer. And everybody was like, whoa, does he, is he secretly like a bruiser? And I remember looking at like penalty minutes from like a bunch of his SHL seasons. And his like penalty minute totals were like 10 minutes, six minutes. Like they were like, he barely did anything wrong on the ice. And now he's just dropping bombs on a Bobby Farnham. But uh, I think he, like, again, I, he's been pretty good. Uh, he was pretty good in Vegas and he's been pretty good in Colorado. I think I would have, uh, would have liked to have seen him away from Vandevelli a little bit more. Or maybe not as used as heavily by the Flyers head coach. I would have liked to have seen Belmar under uh, A.V. I feel like he would have benefited from A.V.'s system a lot. And also, I think he would have been more effective. Which, you know, again, talking about Hackstall compared to A.V., that's not really 
saying too much. Yeah, I, I always feel like I I liked Belmar, but I I'm not saying really he was like a watching world him play per se, but I, I yeah, liked yeah, yeah. him like well enough, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got you. And again, like I did compliment him a bunch, but also this is his sixth season in the NHL. And he still has yet to record ten goals in a single season. I remember, I remember some of the seasons he would only have four or five goals, and those goals were ridiculous. Like they're pretty good snipes when he was given space. And you're kind of like, can you do that like more? Because like we see he can do it, so just shoot the fucking puck rather than passing it to Vandevilde. Like take some shots here, <laughs> but he never. Uh, not a big point producer, but yeah, more of a uh, doing a lot of the dirty work, a lot of the penalty killing, and uh, protecting the puck and being on the right side of the puck when it comes to defense and that type of thing. So. Um. So moving on, who's the next one? Sandy McCarthy, who again another re- another fight we always reference uh, a lot here when um, Ty Domi decided to be the coolest person ever and uh, jump in to beat up Adam Burt. It was Luke Richardson. Was. Yeah, Luke Richardson chased around after that, but Sandy McCarthy wanted a, a piece of Domi originally. And uh, yeah, I just remember I don't remember much about McCarthy. Again, twelve points, uh, six goals, six assists, and one hundred and thirty-six pims in seventy-one games with the Flyers between ninety-eight, ninety-nine, and ninety-nine, two thousand. Uh, he was traded from the Lightning to the Flyers with Mikael Anderson uh, for Colin Forbes and a nineteen ninety-nine fourth. Oh, Colin Forbes, that's a name. You know what? That might be a fuck. It's just looking at the life and times of Colin Forbes and really getting into what he's all about. So we'll have to take a look at that. <laughs> we should just have fucks where we're just looking at random dudes from the past like that just weren't any... Like Kent Manville, who apparently... Uh, and then when uh, McCarthy was traded away, he was traded to the Hurricanes for Kent Manville. So we could, I think we could pump out a fuck on Kent Manville. He was pretty... Uh, just talk about how long he did not score a goal for. Just have a whole series of awards for Kent Manville called the Mandy's. <laughs> Oh, I like it. Yeah, nice. <laughs> you know what I think? You know what the first thing I think of when I think of Sandy McCarthy is? I think about great goatee. He did have, he had some pretty good pictures. Yeah, I remember that too. That was one of the... the <laughs> so really, I like I thought yeah. of Sandy McCarthy, I thought of him beating up, or him going after Ty Domi and great goatee. Those are the things <laughs> I thought about. I will say, that Ty Domi uh, fight though, I, I must have clicked on a different video on YouTube. Like I got a different broadcast that showed some different angles. He fucking annihilated some dude in the corner, like, after Domi wouldn't fight him. Because there's a whole thing where, like, Berube and McCarthy were pretty much chasing Domi. He'd be like, dude, can you fucking fight us? And then Berube got tangled with somebody else, so then Domi figured that was a good time to take a run at Berube. And then Berube ended up, like, grappling with him. And then you see on the right side of the screen, McCarthy just has somebody with his right hand and just gets, like... Two left-handed hooks just right to the nose of this dude, and he just drops. And I was just like, I don't remember seeing that before. I just watch it now. I'm just like, God damn, he fucking annihilated. <laughs> just got I'm watching it right now, and Sandy McCarthy was <laughs> no joke. It on my the that dude could fuck you. Yeah, up. he could. He could throw hands. Yeah. Um, somebody who could not throw hands, <laughs> or in his li- very limited time as a flyer. Uh, play defense was Johnny Oduya, who might be the greatest, might end up being one of the greatest footnotes of Flyers history. For the simple fact, he played one game. So let's talk about let's talk about Johnny Oduya first of all. Uh, uh, an African Swedish defenseman. Uh, so uh, claimed on uh, waivers by the Flyers in late February of 2018. Ended up playing in one game for the Flyers. Uh, it was a 4-1 loss to the Panthers on March 4th, 2018. His stat line is one shot on net. Minus one, a hit 
and one block in 1222 of work. Uh, and his big, the notable play of that game was uh, to go down one to nothing. Uh, Barkov caught a stretch pass and just absolutely walked Oduya to score about two and a half minutes into the game. Uh, and then he got injured in the second period, and that was the end of his fucking Flyers career. It was a period and a half, and he got embarrassed on one of the plays, and then he was just, that was it. He was just, he never played for Flyers again. Just one fucking game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's all. Johnny Dio did win some cups. career otherwise. I was gonna say, he actually, he had an amazing career besides that. Ended up winning two cups with the Hawks. Uh, I forgot that he was one of, the Hawks pretty much won the 2015 Cup with, Three fucking defensemen, and he was one of them. It was Keith Seabrook and Oduya. Uh, Oduya averaged 24-45 time on ice during the 2015 postseason, and I think he played in every game. So he was one of the main reasons why the Hawks won that year, because he actually could play defense. Um, unfortunately for him, one of the things I remember about Oduya, too, was uh, in 2012, the game the Flyers came back and beat the Jets in overtime in Winnipeg where Simmons scored with like nine seconds left in regulation. Briere uh, out-muscled Oduya in a puck battle and then set up Yager for the win. And after Yager won, uh, Oduya just broke his stick on the back of the net because he knew he got uh, like out-muscled. So uh, that's one of the things that comes to my mind for Oduya. But he was he was a pretty good defenseman, just not in the 12 minutes of work he had with the Flyers or on that play against Briere. But he did... Yeah, a couple cups. Uh, he was pre- pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good, Steve. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Uh, and then last, and not least, because technically it was Johnny Adia and Tyrell Goldborn, but uh, Chris Stewart, um, who was coming up on the end of his career here. And uh, again, we we kind of stated how we... Uh, I, I don't really care about Chris Stewart now. I was more worried at the beginning of the year when he came in. I, I was... Uh, I was used You're worried to, he'd be uh, Vandevelde too. Yeah, I was worried. I was used to the Hextall Hextall treatment of uh, players that should not be in the NHL. So I was like, cool, we're gonna sign this guy, and we're not gonna see NAK and those other like other fringe players we've been waiting to see for years. Turned out that wasn't the case at all. Uh, ended up going one assist, twenty-one penalty minutes, and minus seven in sixteen games this season. Fought Jamie Oleksiak, Ross Johnston, and Nicholas Delorier, and. Uh, the Oleksiak fight was pretty good. Didn't mean anything as far as loss, but then Johnston and the Delorier fights were pretty much big old nothing fights. Uh, a lot of, lot of punches thrown, but then it's just kind of guys falling over at the end. And it uh, didn't really shift momentum either way, if I remember correctly, because, uh, you know, that's what the fights are supposed to do. And, uh, again, I'm just happy he's not really taking up a roster spot. Now, at one point in time, he was decent. He was good. It's just that hasn't uh, been for a minute. I think his last season where he was actually had a positive impact on an NHL team was 2015-16. So, um, and I know he played a couple other seasons besides that, but it wasn't it wasn't really the uh, wasn't really the same. So, um, looking at it, that is the uh, that is the history of uh, black players and Flyers history. And uh, I did also want to point out. I came across this and. Uh, you know, for all you uh, ref fans out there, you, you already know this fact, but I'm going to share it now. Um, on April 3rd, 2000, uh, Jay Shearers, I'm not quite sure how to say that name, but uh, he had been an official in the league since 1990, I believe. And then in a game between the Flyers and Panthers, he became the first uh, black official to be officially be the line, uh, referee for a game. So instead of just being a linesman, he was given the title of referee, which 
I, I don't really, I mean, I guess the whole, I, I would kind of assume just being a linesman would be a big deal too. They made a big stink about being a referee. That was an article I came around, uh, came across a bunch. But uh, so the Flyers ended up playing in the first game where uh, a, a black referee was actually in charge of officiating a game. So just a little side note of uh, Flyers history uh, there too. So I just came across that, thought I'd throw that in there. I don't even know. If anybody cares, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to throw some information out there. I think it's an interesting too. note, yeah. Just a I, little side note, yeah. So well, uh, what's, what's interesting is just how long it's taken a lot of these teams and a lot of these players and refs to, to actually make their way to the NHL. I mean, I was kind it's of just, it's insane. <laughs> like the first, the first Black Flyer isn't until the early '90s. Like it's, it's insane. I really thought there would have been like one or two at least in the '80s somewhere, but I mean, yeah, I more more players are coming into the league now, so I think we'll definitely see that number grow. And even looking at the Flyers over the last couple of years, I mean, um, yeah, Chris Stewart and Bailey and Belmar and Goldborn. Um, I mean, they had and Simmons was even on the team last season, so you know they doubled the number of black players of franchise history in the last two seasons. So hopefully the game does just keep getting more inclusive uh, for everybody and uh, we truly get to see the best talent that's out there and uh, and yeah so again I mean I'm just happy anytime we get to talk about Wayne Simmons uh, I'm pretty happy because he was it's kind of crazy and I don't know how much we have really ever talked about it but my two favorite flyers may have been or are probably going to be Wayne Simmons and, and Mike Richards if you know I guess who revolved in trade for each other. Yeah, like Richards and Simmons, who ended up being traded for each other, which is kind of crazy to me because you know, I was thinking about like uh, I was trying to think if there's a time where like people didn't like Simmons because he was the guy that was traded for Richards, but I remember everybody loving Simmons immediately because he just did he just scored goals and beat the show people. So and he ended up being. I mean, he basically had his mission statement when he beat the shit out of Clarkson, or really he beat the shit out of Clarkson, <laughs> but he fought Clarkson early on, and people hated yeah. Clarkson, so it was, like, the best thing he could have done. Yeah, and he had a very Tim Kerr goal in that game, too. His first goal as a flyer was uh, two feet off the goal line, and I think he was, uh, somebody took him to the ice, so when he scored, he scored from, like, pretty much his knees and stomach, so it was uh, just Wayne Simmons, just, uh, just a badass dude. I really the the thing the fight with Lovejoy is still one of those things I like. It's one of those feelers feelers things I'm just gonna like always remember about him. Just fighting someone with a broken jaw and not like not like somebody that doesn't fight. Lovejoy Lovejoy was a pretty tough dude. He was a physical defenseman. So he Wayne Simmons man. Yeah. I think the good news for the league is you're you're seeing increasing amounts of diversity in the game. Like if you're looking at the list of of black hockey players all time, like the list really starts to increase in recent years and there's a lot of great yeah. representatives for the game that are coming up right now and let's keep heading in the right direction. Let's keep this diversity going. It's great to see and Again, at the end of the day, hockey wants to be for everyone, so let's truly make hockey for everyone. Let's really yeah. do it. I did want to add, I think Simmons is third all-time among black players in NHL history. Again, let's first. And then it's, um, uh, I think, Tony McKegney. I forget who else it was. It was somebody from the early 90s. And then it was Wayne Simmons. So he was, uh, yeah, Wayne, uh, just adding on to the Wayne Simmons. Some fan, good company. But, yeah, but it's, it's, yeah, it's not the worst company. 
Jerome McGinley being one of those flyerish non flyers we oh, discussed man. a few episodes yeah, back. Seriously. Yeah, I would have fucking loved again on our team. He would have been a pretty much a more dynamic version of Simmons. He was just a guy that produced Did we a lot. actually discuss him or is he one of the guys who came up after? He was guy? he was the word yeah, he was the one that we all <laughs> I think like I thought about it, you thought about it, and Bill had it on his list, but like apparently like was about to bring oh. him up and be like God. Like we all were on like he was the one guy that we were all like, Yeah, we fucking meant to bring him up. Like that was the biggest <laughs> That's right, that's right. Because he was yeah, he was just the guy that put up monster gold totals and fought like wasn't afraid to drop the gloves. So he would have fit in. And he was a a lot, uh, I don't want to say a lot quicker, but I think he was a better skater and quicker than Simmons. So the fascinating thing about Simmons too was he was, if I remember, he was pretty effective in the shootout, which for a power forward that kind of has a clunky like skating stride was like unique, like kind of funny because he would just like kind of like work his way down the ice and then just put a couple quick moves on the goalie and beat him. And it wasn't, you know, his his working close was just putting home rebounds or scoring from in close redirections. It wasn't. It wasn't always the fanciest move, so uh, for him being awesome in the shootout was kind of funny. But, uh, yeah, Steve, I mean, that's, uh, I think that, uh, I think that'll wrap this one up. But, uh, yeah, I'm happy we sadly, got the fuck that back is in. about it for the history of Black Flyers. Again, let's keep doing better in this area and we can all do better and uh, support those great causes however you can. We, we discussed it last week, but plenty of great causes to, to donate. And again, if we're looking specifically at hockey, the Black Girls Hockey Club is fantastic cause to support. Yeah, yeah, and they're, uh, yeah, they've been uh, pretty active the last couple of weeks, and they're uh, really, yeah, just go follow them on Twitter. They're a really good follow. You learn a lot following them, and they do support a lot of good causes. So, yeah, that's a Black Girl Hockey Club, for the record. And, uh, yeah, so that's all we got. Uh, if you have any feedback for us, the best place is on Twitter. You can reach Craig at Sports Are Bad. Yep. And uh, look for a fly purple later this week. I am going to try to get out uh, some article this week. I'm not quite sure I'm going to work on yet, but, you know, I got tomorrow and Thursday to figure it out. All right, all right, all right. You can reach <laughs> me at <laughs> – I get you every time with that. You can reach me. <laughs> At Flyperbole or at Estebomb, but for your hockey purposes, please make it Flyperbole. And you can follow BSH Radio and Broad Street Hockey and like Broad Street Hockey on Facebook. And be sure to rate, subscribe, and all of that great stuff. Folks, that's all we got. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, as always, good night and good hockey. Hello, everybody. This is Flyperbole. It is a podcast about hockey, mostly the Flyers, but also other hockey things, like other hockey teams that play the sport of hockey. Steve, but not Steve Hartnell and Craig, but not Craig Ruby. No, this isn't all those hockey guys. These are the guys who watch the hockey sport. Yeah!